Tecovis is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. As someone who tries to pursue a minimalist lifestyle, I highly value quality over quantity, and I'm telling you, you can't find a higher quality boot than Tecovis. Their Western boots for men and women are handmade, handmade from the most premium leathers with over 200 time-honored individual steps. Also, did I mention that they are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico? And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tacovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit Tacovas.com, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and point your toes west. Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms Podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. Am I getting parenting right? Most parents at any and every stage find themselves asking this question. Whether you're sleep deprived with a colicky newborn or navigating the emotional roller coaster of a teenager, Parenting has its ups and downs, its confusion and clarity, its big blow-ups and small victories. And no matter our family makeup or our children's personalities, many of us experience anxiety over our children's futures and often fear making a mistake. Sandra Stanley is no stranger to this feeling. As a parent to three grown children, plus decades counseling countless families and learning from mentors of her own, she happily shares from her experience and wisdom. Today, Sandra joins me to discuss her new book, Parenting, Getting It Right. In this episode, you'll hear Sandra's advice for learning the four distinct stages of parenting, clarifying your primary goal of parenting, deciding on your non-negotiables, and more. For those of you that are new around here, I release bonus episodes that serve a niche part of my audience. I have listeners of all faith backgrounds that listen to the podcast. This episode is coming from a Christian perspective. So if that's something that doesn't fit what you're looking for, check out the other episode about finances with Jill Schlesinger or join me back here next week for another conversation that you don't want to miss. All right, let's get into this conversation with Sandra Stanley. Sandra, thanks so much for joining me today on the Minimalist Moms podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Before we get into our conversation, I'm just going to allow you to introduce yourself to the listeners. And I always ask every guest this, do you consider yourself to be a minimalist? Okay. Okay. Well, I'll start with introducing the kiddos and our family. Um, Andy and I have been married for 34 years. We have three kids. Uh, Andrew is 30. He's married to Anna and, um, Garrett is 28. He's married to Danielle. And then Allie is 26. She's married to Clay and just had her first grandbaby two weeks ago. So we have little grandbaby Haven. And that's been kind of a fun thing for all of us, of course. Um, Yeah. So we are empty nesters now. We've had um, some foster kids in and out, which has been 
uh, a big part of our personal journey and story um, for our family, just being involved with foster care. So we've had those kids in and out, but for now we are empty nesters with just our dog. And of course um, I just shared with you off the air, but we, uh, our middle son and his wife just moved in with us temporarily while they build a house. So we have them here. So that's kind of fun. So I guess we're not exactly empty nesters at this moment. <laughs> so that's kind of our family. Um, I am definitely a minimalist. I do not like clutter. I cannot function in clutter. Um, I think I think that my love language, if I were making up my own love language, is efficiency. And too much stuff around just kind of makes me feel inefficient. So yeah, I'm definitely a minimalist as it relates to stuff around me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you have a new book out and that's why you're here today and it's called Parenting. And tell me what's the subtitle? Yeah, the subtitle is Getting It Right. It is in italics and there's a reason for that we can talk about. Yeah, sure. I did want to ask you, you emphasize parenting with the relationship in mind. And so much of what I try to do and try to encourage listeners of the show with is intentionality, mindfulness, right. just being present and clear headed about your values, your goals, what you want. So I really, when I saw that you were writing this book, I really liked that you were parenting with the relationship in mind. So what does that mean for you? And what does it look like when you apply it to major decisions, but minor decisions as well? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, right. Well, let me start by explaining where this idea even originated and why it became important to us. Um, Every year, my parents rent a big house on Hilton Head Island, and they've done this really our whole adult life. And we all go. My, I've got I'm the middle of three kids. My sisters um, got two kids. We've got our six now, and then my brother has four. And so we all go, and we um, we all go to Hilton Head. But early on in our marriage, right after we had Andrew, he was our oldest of the three. Um, we were Andy and I were making our trek to Hilton Head, and we started. I don't know, you You know, you start a family, you start thinking about goals, you know, goal setting. So we thought, okay, do we, maybe we need some family goals now, you know, that we, we have a baby, but neither one of us are really concrete goal setters. So that was short conversation, but we actually started talking about what kind of family we wanted to have. And that led us to realize that in our parenting journey, we never wanted to take our eye off of the relationship prize. We wanted um, we wanted to parent our kids in such a way that when we launch them out of our homes, the relationships are still strong and healthy. And the way we said it was, we want kids who want to be with us and want to be with each other, even when they no longer have to. So we parented with the relationship in mind. Um, so to answer your question, that's what that meant for us. And you're right. It's, it, it requires intentionality if you're going to parent to any particular goal. Um, And the title of the book, like you said, is Parenting, Getting It Right. Mm -hmm. And it, we emphasized because we realized that whether a parent knows it or not, they are always parenting in a direction. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it may be the obedience direction. You know, we just want our kids to obey or we just want our kids to excel. It may be in an NFL direction or, you know, we just want peace in our home direction or whatever, but parents are always parenting in a direction and there are a lot of directions. And we decided we're going to choose our direction. We're going to decide ahead of time and be intentional about the direction that we're parenting in. And so we decided to parent 
with the relationship in mind and parent in the direction of having kids that want to be with us and want to be with each other, even when they don't have to be. And that kind of became the lens through which we made a lot of our parenting decisions, the big ones, the small ones that just sort of became our framework and our lens. Mm -hmm. I think most people, when they have little kids, when you think long-term, you always want to preserve the relationship. And when they move out, you want them to want to come back home. Not maybe to, maybe not to live, but yeah. like you want them to come back home and right, to, right. yeah. And to have dinners together and to celebrate holidays together. I think that that is an end goal for a lot of us, but it seems in the little years, they're probably even in teenagers as well, but in the little years, that seems so far away. And I hate that I fall into the habit of yelling and it does damage the relationship and it does break trust. And so I think it's really hard in certain ways to have that long-term vision when we're in this monotonous uh, little kid years. That's where I am right now. Again, I'm not at the teenager. So I'm wondering what creating that foundation looks like in the younger years. And maybe it's teenagers too. You can speak to that. Right, right. Well, it really does look a little bit different in the different seasons of parenting. And, and we can talk about that in a minute. But, you know, when the kids are really little, you're you're kind of um, you're parenting in a direction of safety. You're parenting in a direction of helping them understand that there are consequences for their actions. And you're just you know, you do need obedience in those early years, if not just for safety, for just preparing them for the future. You're laying that foundation and so that, you know, when, when they're younger, it's different, but we all know that, that, that life is relationships. <clears throat> so if we're preparing our kids for relational success, the foundation of that is to help them understand that life is relationships. And we know as adults, we can have great jobs. We can have plenty of money. We can have material things and still be so incredibly unhappy. I mean, we've all met people who on the outside seem to have everything and on the inside, they're just crumbling. And you know, we all learn early that there is a significant correlation between the health of our relationships, especially our primary family relationships, and how happy and at peace we are in our everyday lives. And we want our kids to understand that in every season of our parenting journey. So um, one of the things that we focused on, and, and even in your season with your kids young, and then, you know, like you referred to, things get a little different as they get older, but we wanted to help our kids understand that relationships are so important. And so we kind of grabbed onto the idea of honor. And um, we just decided that helping our kids understand how to honor other people how to restore broken relationships, even when they're little, you know, even when they're four or five, seven, eight, we want our kids to understand how to restore broken relationships and how to prioritize the most important relationships um, because that sets them up, you know, to develop and maintain healthy relationships for life. So regardless of season of life, there are little things we can do along the way to help them understand the idea of honoring other people, restoring relationships and prioritizing our most important relationships. And that gets us hopefully, I mean, you know, every day is so cloudy. There's so many things and distractions. It's not like we're thinking all day long about about, okay, we're teaching our kids to honor, we're parenting with the relationship in mind. But when it comes time to make some more difficult sort of decisions, if we can view it through that framework, it makes a big difference. 
And you say later is a lot longer. And so we should discipline wisely and carefully evaluate it for that later relationship, because this season is much shorter than hopefully than the rest of our life. So can you explain a later being a little bit longer? What do you mean by that? And that's exactly why we chose the it that we chose, you know, kind of our kind of that that whole idea, because we if we have good relationships with our kids on the other side of the heavy duty, heavy lifting parenting journey, then we're going to hopefully have great relationships with them all the way out in our adult years. And those are there's so many more of those. Um, So. You know, it's it's super important. When Andy and I were in youth ministry for a long time, and we saw all kinds of parenting styles. So, you know, you asked the question about disciplining choices being carefully evaluated based on on that. We saw so many different parenting styles, and so when we became parents, we read everything. We're both highly motivated by information. We know that about ourselves. So we read everything. We found the parents that we thought were doing it right. In our within our student ministry, you know, parents of kids that we thought, okay, they're doing something right. We got to figure out what it is that they're doing. We invited them to dinner. We treated them to dinner. We invited them to our house and we just peppered them with questions because we thought this is, you know, we want kids like this. So what did you do to get there? And so, you know, we just learned so much from those parents. And um, one of the things that, that we figured out was that if we intentionally seek out some some wise counsel for people ahead of us, it would make all the difference. Um, but one of the things that remained consistent that we learned from stuff we read and from parents that we respected was there was kind of this consistent theme throughout all the different seasons um, that they were disciplining toward honor, not necessarily obedience. And of course, we want our kids to obey. But if we're parenting toward honor, Um, not obedience, that gets us so much further down the road. And this is especially important as our kids hit middle school and high school, because if you don't have a culture of honor in your home, parenting becomes exhausting. It becomes kind of that game of catch me if you can. Um, You have to have this long list of rules to cover every little, you know, thing that might come up and it's Mm -hmm. just exhausting. But in a culture where, and in a culture where it's all about rules, you know, you just, you just have to have so many. So we just decided if we are laying a foundation of honor for our kids, that is going to probably eliminate needing some big family policy manual to explain what to do in every circumstance. And, um, you know, having conversations in your season of life with the kids young, um, you know, having a conversation of, hey, we don't talk back to mom because that dishonors mom, or we don't steal because that dishonors the owner of that toy. Um, We don't lie because that breaks a relationship and it dishonors the person we're talking to. So even when our kids were young, Andy and I used those words. We use the words honor. We use the words dishonor because it, you know, even though those are big ideas for young kids, it begins laying that foundation. And when we started thinking about the New Testament ethic where Jesus actually modeled for us how we should interact with other people, how we should do our relationships, we could see that he always related to people in a way that exhibited honor. And um, the thing he had the least amount of tolerance for were people who were dishonoring each other. So we decided we're choosing honor over obedience. Um, And the way that Jesus said it was love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's all encompassing and it's all about honor. Um, Mm -hmm. And for any of your listeners who maybe have older kids who are teenagers, 
Think about this as sort of a little picture of what I'm talking about. Would you rather your 17-year-old son obey a set of rules that you have to quickly remind him of as he's running out the door to pick up a girl for a date? Or would you rather him have the idea of, I need to honor this young lady that I'm about to take out? You know, mm-hmm. honor covers all the bases. So mm-hmm. it just calls us to a higher level and it eliminates that whack-a-mole parenting thing where you're just trying to have a rule for every little thing. So that's, you know, as you think about the different seasons of discipline, thinking about it through the framework of honor is huge. If you're planning to cut back on alcohol this dry January, Recess Zero Proof Craft Mocktails are the perfect alcohol replacement. Recess has meticulously crafted familiar favorites such as lime margarita and grapefruit paloma, allowing you to savor the flavors and experience of these cocktails without the alcohol content. Throughout January, my listeners can take advantage of a special offer and get 15% off the Recess Mocktail Sampler Pack at takearecess.com minimalist. Every can of Recess boasts a lightly sparkling mocktail infused with functional ingredients and a calorie count of 25 or less. It's a guilt-free option for winding down during dry January. Again, whether it's the end of a demanding day, a dinner gathering, or simply a moment to unwind, these mocktails are the perfect choice. You won't miss the alcohol, and you certainly won't miss dealing with a hangover. Get 15% off Recess mocktails now at takearecess.com slash minimalist so you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. For a lot of my listeners, I feel like they're on a journey to simplify their lives, but they don't want to sacrifice style, which I completely understand. And that's why I was excited to partner with Home Threads. Home Threads is the perfect blend of minimalism and comfort for your home. At HomeThreads.com, you can discover a curated collection of sleek and functional furniture that speaks to the heart of minimalist living, from multifunctional storage to timeless design. They have everything you need to create a clutter-free and serene space for your family. As most of you know, we've recently moved, and I'm not someone to just fill up a room so that it's done and decorated. I wanted to do this with intention, and so I searched out accent chairs on Home Threads and found the perfect mid-century modern chair that really complements my space. So embrace the beauty of less and elevate your home with purposeful pieces. Visit homethreads.com minimalist and get a code for 15% off your first order. Home Threads, love where you live. No more stressful trips to the fitting room under fluorescent lights. With Armoire, you get to wear quality pieces without the hassle of adding to your wardrobe or paying designer prices. I'll say, as a busy mom of three, I know the importance of treating myself to something special, and Armoire allows me to prioritize quality over quantity in my wardrobe. Plus, Armoire is woman-founded and woman-led, so you can feel good about supporting a business that empowers women. If you're ready to have your dream closet delivered to your door, try Armoire today. You'll never have to worry about finding the perfect outfit for any occasion again. If you're curious for some of the looks that I've chosen, check out my collaboration highlight on Instagram for a few of my favorite armoire looks. Looks that you can grab too. So right now my listeners can give armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash minimalist. That is armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash minimalist to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. Would you say that honor and respect are synonymous with one another, or I feel like honor is next level. (laughs) Yeah. I think respect is a way to honor someone. 
Okay. There are a whole lot of ways to honor people. So respect is super important, but it is, it is one of the ways that we honor other people. We honor people with kindness. We honor people with, with respect. We honor people by being honest, appropriately Mm -hmm. honest and teaching our kids to be honest. That's a big deal. Mm Long-term as any parent of a teenager knows, you know, if you've got a kid who is, you know, who's has a habit of not being honest with you, you just parenting, parenting is nearly impossible. Because mm-hmm. you never know if what someone's telling you is, is true. And we really learned that, especially in our in our parenting foster kids journey, because there's such a self-preservation mm-hmm. um, mode for them because they've had to have that. Mm-hmm. And they will say whatever they need to say to make you happy or to mm-hmm. stay out of trouble or all of you know those things. And it made it really, really difficult to have mm-hmm. authentic relationships when you're just not sure somebody's being honest. But to your question, I think respect is definitely a huge way to yeah. honor to honor other people. So how do you cultivate that environment then to encourage kids to talk to you when they don't want to? Because with one of my kids, I haven't been able to break through that mindset where you're ultimately in trouble if you lie. But with another one, maybe I've done this wrong too, but with the big things, I try not to lose my cool. I am very open to talk about it. We talk through it and I actually don't get them in trouble if, even if you spilled nail polish on the rug, but you told me. So I don't know if that's wrong. Oh, I didn't get you in trouble, even though you knew you shouldn't be using my nail polish, but I'm like, I want to just cultivate that foundation of you can come to me and I won't explode. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things I think it goes back to is, is the stage of parenting and, and, um, one of the first things Andy and I learned when we when we became parents in some of the stuff we read and some of the people that we spent time with was there's different seasons of parenting. And I think depending, you know, the answer to your question kind of depends on what season of life are we in. So the way we broke you know, kind of break it down is zero to five years old is kind of the discipline years. Five to 12 are kind of the training years. Coaching years are 12 to 18, and then friendships are 18 on. And in each of those seasons, we're disciplining in different ways. And our techniques and our, you know, all of that has to be different. But one of, you know, I think, I think as as we as it relates to cultivating an environment where our kids want to talk to us, there are several things we can do. And again, it depends on that season of life. But when you start getting toward middle school, maybe we'll kind of talk about that one because it's sort of the middle of the road. Um I think we have to be students of our kids. Um, we, you know, we live in a day and age of Enneagram and temperament tests and love languages and all the things. It's, it's never been easier to understand someone else based on how God wired them and all of that. So I think being students of our kids as it relates to temperament and personality is super important as, you know, as we think about how to discipline them. Um, But one of the things that we discovered as we started trying to understand the nuances and the differences between our kids, like you just mentioned, is we realized that each of our kids open up kind of more easily or more readily in specific environments. Like Andrew, our oldest one, if I wanted to get Andrew to talk to me about something, I just needed to sit down and watch a Braves game, an Atlanta Braves game with him or some sports thing on TV. And if I'm sitting there engaged in what he's interested in and we're talking, you know, a little bit, he just had a tendency to respond to my questions better in that kind of environment. And I know that's so specific, but that's something that I figured out about Andrew, my oldest, who's kind of a typical firstborn. 
Garrett, our middle one, he would talk to me as long as I would scratch his back. So at night, we would, you know, we would, you know, we always prayed with our kids and all that. And then we kind of would, you know, go to the room separately. And one of the things I learned about Garrett is if I want any information out of that kid, if I would scratch his back, he would talk to me as long as I would scratch. And then with Allie, our daughter, I, we figured out, or I figured out because I was the one at home during those years. If, when she came in from school, she wanted to download every detail of her day. She just wanted to tell me everything. And she would come rushing in the door like, mom, you're not going to believe what happened today. But if I wasn't standing there, if I was off running errands or if I was doing something else and I missed that moment, I missed my moment to hear what Allie had to say. So I think to answer your question, be a student of your kids, understand the environment in which they are more willing to open up and talk. And um, and and then we're going to be able to get to the heart of some of the matters that we want to get to with our kids. And, you know, to <laughs> to your point about, you know, sometimes it's just so easy as a mom to snap. You are not alone. We all have that. And, um, and really our kids all respond to different levels of that kind of thing differently. And I think that's part of understanding them too, is understanding, you know, what are the effective disciplines for this particular kid? So all of it kind of is unpackaged together. Um, but cultivating an environment where our kids will talk to us is so, so huge. And we talk in the book a lot about, um, especially in the coaching years, as they get kind of middle school, high school, we talk about specifically things that shut our kids down or that sort of light them up and, you know, and get them to talk. So that was kind of a fun, a fun chapter to, to reminisce about as we were writing it. Absolutely. I definitely know that connection, even for me and my husband, when we go out on a walk, it's a great time for us to connect because you're just, I don't know, I think especially with the middle-aged and the high school students, if they have to have eye-to-eye contact, it's just too much for that age. At least that's what my friends have told me with older children. So I feel the same with my husband, though. I feel like we can get a lot more productive conversation going when we're out on walks and it's kind of like you're, I know you're multitasking in certain ways, but for some reason you can just have tougher conversations in that way. You can, you can. One of the things that we've discovered too, along the journey with our kids was we made dinner time around the table, a huge, huge deal because we felt like that was the time of the day that was consistent, that we're all five together and we could have kind of just interactive conversations and they would get to talking even, you know, just um, batting around a conversation. It was just huge. And dinner time was never necessarily about the food. It was really about the gathering and about the just being together, having conversations. We've had so many, I think what, you know, what adults like to call teachable moments. Um, We just were able to take care of, you know, kind of take advantage of that time to have these teachable moments. We didn't make dinner time a teaching time because that gets weird really fast, especially as your kids get older. But it was just a time where conversations are naturally happening and our kids are naturally engaged while we're all right there together. And just some cool teachable kind of moments just and happen in those environments. So, yeah, I think you're right about, you know, eye contact, especially with certain personalities and certain temperaments. You're going to have the kid that wants to be, you know, holding your face and talking to you. And then you're going to have the kid that, you know, you know, is going to just talk to you walking out the door or in the car when you're both looking straight ahead or like you're on a walk. 
So that's all part, I think, of being a student of your kids or being a student of your husband, Mm -hmm. being a student of your closest kind of inner circle relationships. You figure out, you know, what are our best ways of communicating? Absolutely. And I think for people that kids, I'm thinking of older kids that are playing sports or have some type of after school activity, maybe breakfast is a time that they connect and have that around the table time. And maybe that means getting up slightly earlier and being a little bit more intentional with your mornings. But overall, I think you're setting up your family culture there. So you might need to write some things, you know, that's right. As our kids got older and had jobs and were playing sports, I would look at our family calendar at the beginning of the week. And I would text everybody in our family group text. I'd say, hey, you know, this week, Tuesday night and Thursday night, mandatory dinner at home. So don't make plans. And I would do that based on, you know, their sports schedule or their work schedule or, you know, Mm -hmm. it, it was tricky with three kids. But, you know, we would just we would just try to make it happen, even in those later years, as much as we could. And, um, and then, you know, I would tell the kids, Hey, we can eat early. If y'all want to eat early, if you've got something to do after, or we can eat late. If you're not mm-hmm. getting off work till, you know, six or seven o'clock, we can eat late. I can be flexible, but these two nights of the week or these three nights yeah. of the week, um, we're doing family dinner time. So it, it goes back to your whole point, Diane, of being intentional and looking mm-hmm. ahead, planning ahead, thinking ahead. Um, and you know, Parenting just goes more smoothly if you, if you can do that on in so many areas. But with yeah. dinner time, that was a really big deal to us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, do you have any final word of encouragement you want to leave with listeners before we wrap up the conversation? Absolutely. You know what? I think the thing that I would want to communicate to all parents and especially to moms, because typically we're in the trenches, you know, um, doing some of the heavy lifting of parenting. I just want to remind the listeners, there is one perfect parent and we are not him. Our Heavenly Father is the only perfect parent. You are going to get it wrong at times. You're going to lose your temper at times. There is so much grace. I think God gives us as parents to cover some of our mistakes and some of the things that that we might not get right. So just be encouraged. Don't don't expect to be a perfect parent. Don't try to be a perfect. You will not be a perfect parent. You will not have perfect kids, but you can have kids who want to be with you and want to be each other with each other, even when they don't have to be anymore. You just have to decide what your it is and what you're parenting toward, intentionally parenting toward. And I would like to submit that um, parenting with the relationship in mind would be a great place to start and a great one to think about. Well, Sandra, where can listeners connect with you or buy a copy of this new book? Well, the book is coming out in January. It's on um, Amazon now pre-selling. Andy and I did um, the Audible version ourselves. So I read my chapters. He read his chapters. So that could be a fun um, way to do it. Um, We're hoping that it'll be a great tool for people who are in small groups and that kind of stuff. But that'll be coming out in January. Meanwhile, we're both on social media, all the normal social media um, outlets and love to kind of share, share ideas there as well. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for your encouragement today. I've started making my way through your book and it's been helpful so far. So I can't wait to finish it and start applying some of these principles in our parenting and talk to my husband about it. So I appreciate you writing it and for being here today. Well, thank you for having me, Diane. It's a pleasure to meet you. What did you think of the episode? I hope you enjoyed the conversation. 
To learn more about today's guest, including links, resources related to everything discussed today, visit the episode page at minimalistmomspodcast.com, where you can find the entire podcast archive, as well as my book, Minimalist Moms Living and Parenting with Simplicity, or other ways to connect or work with me online. If you'd like to support the podcast, the easiest and most impactful thing you can do is subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and leave a rating or review of your favorite episode. Lastly, sharing the show or your favorite episode with friends on social media is very helpful and will encourage others on their journey to think more and do with less. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.